Good morning and welcome to Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Lakeview in Chicago, Illinois. On this beautiful summer morning, we welcome you among us. And at this time, we invite you to turn on your camera and the gallery view and to scroll through and greet one another to remind us that we are the body of Christ, that this is an embodied experience, that this is a live community uh, that is gathering for worship. So please say good morning Hello. to one with your waves. And remember that whether this is your first time joining us at Holy Trinity, whether you've ever been in our space or not, whether you've been coming for years, you are welcome. Whatever the color of your skin, your ethnicity, who you love or marry, what you think about church or organized religion, you are welcome among us. But please know that in addition to that welcome, we stand against all kind of injustice and oppression, especially racism and the ways that we harm our siblings, but not only our siblings, but the creatures of the earth and the earth itself. And we pray that together we will lead worship to serve in our everyday lives. Please keep yourself muted during the service, except for the one time or several times that we will invite you to unmute. And we now begin with our gathering song, Glory to God in the Highest.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And, and also, also with, with you. Let us pray. Teach us, good Lord, to serve you as you deserve. How do I get this to stop now? Count the cost to fight and not heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for reward, except that of knowing that we do your will through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Reading from Genesis. The child Isaac grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she bore to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. Matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son, but God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will, make an, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot, for she said, Do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite of him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid. For God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Parham. And his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Word of God, word of life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Keep 
watch over my life, for I am faithful. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for you are my God. I call upon you all the day long. Gladden the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, and abundant in mercy to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the time of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord, nor anything like your works. All the nations you have made will come and worship you. For you are great, you do wondrous things, and you alone are God. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the child of your handmaid. Show me a sign of your favor so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame, because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. A reading from Romans. Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him in ba by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Christ in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is free from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Word of God, word of life. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the twelve, A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master, if they have called the master of the house of Beelzebul. How much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, and daughter against his mother, her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. It may be Father's Day, and while all you dads out there are awesome and we have nothing but love for you, today instead we are going to focus our attention on a mother. And not just any mother, but a strong, resilient, steadfast mother named Hagar. But to any of you dads out there, I do hope you especially listen in. Because I think through honestly and directly focusing today on this story of Hagar, I believe we promote the best in fathers by calling out the brutal, patriarchal, racist, and classist conditions that Hagar was subjected to. Now the story of Hagar, it's a story of slavery, a story of surrogacy, a story of status, and most of all, a story of survival. But what we heard today in our first reading from Genesis is actually the second of two dramatic desert stories of Hagar. The first occurs a bit earlier in the 16th chapter of Genesis. And without this context, it's really hard to grasp the fullness of Hagar's unyielding life. 
So I'd like to begin there. Back before Abraham and Sarah are visited by three divine beings who announce that Sarah will bear a son, and they laugh at how ludicrous that sounds in their old age. Before this miraculous promise of a son, and before Isaac was eventually born, Sarah was desperate. She was desperate to fulfill her duty in a patriarchal society where her role was to bear children and to be obedient to Abraham. But at this point in the narrative, she's resigned herself to the reality that she will never bear a son. So she offers her slave, Hagar, to Abraham. You see, in this relationship, Sarah believes that Hagar belongs to her as property. Therefore, a child born of Hagar by her husband Abraham would also belong to Sarah as well. This was actually a common practice in situations like this in antiquity. So the text then says that Abraham went into Hagar. But as Lutherans, we have to name a thing for what it is. What was done to Hagar at the hands of Abraham and Sarah here is non-consensual rape. Hagar has no bodily autonomy as a slave. She has no ability to consent or say no when she is offered to Abraham. But when Hagar then conceives a child with Abraham, all of a sudden, Hagar no longer looks up to Sarah in the way that she once did. Sarah feels this status change. Sarah's response to this is to shift the relationship back to where it was, to quote-unquote deal harshly with Hagar. But again, to name a thing for what it is, this is physical abuse with the intent of dehumanizing Hagar, to put her back in her place as Sarah's powerless object. But Hagar is not powerless, and she refuses to be put back into a subjected place. She's a fighter, a resister, and so instead of remaining there with her rapist and her abuser, she flees her brutal enslavement and runs away into the desert. Now this is where we have to start taking notes, because this next moment in the story says a lot about who God is. Because when Hagar is in her most vulnerable state here, she's in exile, in the desert, without any help, that is when God shows up. The Lord finds Hagar near a spring, and God instructs her to return to Sarah and Abraham and deliver the child, and to name the child Ishmael meaning God hears. At that moment, Hagar is no longer just an exiled slave. She is a woman of God's promise. And this is where Hagar does something unprecedented. She names God. Hagar is the only person in the Bible to give a name to God. And the name she gives to God is El Roy, meaning God who sees me. Dang, that's powerful. So Hagar does, as God instructs. She returns to her brutal owners, and she gives birth to Ishmael. So it's with this context, then, that we pick the story back up today. 
Albeit it is a bit later, so Sarah has now given birth to her own son Isaac, and it's during the celebration of Isaac's weaning from Sarah that Sarah witnesses Isaac and Ishmael playing together, or more literally in the Hebrew uh, context, Ishmael was making Isaac laugh. This sight, it incenses Sarah. She cannot bear the thought of Hagar's son, Ishmael, sharing the inheritance with her son, Isaac. So she orders Abraham to send Hagar and Ishmael back into the desert. And much like when God perplexingly instructs Hagar to return to her rapist and abuser the first time, God does another perplexing thing here by then appearing to Abraham and actually instructing him to do as Sarah has commanded and to cast Hagar out. So Abraham obeys God and Sarah. And let's be honest, with only a skin of water and some bread, the exile of Hagar back into the wilderness with her son Ishmael by Abraham here is the equivalent of a death sentence. Because inevitably, the water runs out. So instead of watching her son die of dehydration, Hagar casts Ishmael under a bush. And can you blame her? After all Hagar has had to endure, the last thing she needs is to be a witness to her son's death. So she even cries out to God, Do not let me look upon the death of a child. And she weeps. But if you remember, Ishmael's name means God hears. And God does hear these boys, this boy's cries from under the bush. God then appears to Hagar. And making a way out of no way, God opens Hagar's eyes to see a well of water right there in the desert. And she fills the skin with water and gives Ishmael a drink. Hagar and Ishmael then live out their lives in the wilderness. And Hagar eventually finds Ishmael a wife like herself from Egypt. This story, ultimately, God does provide what Hagar and Ishmael need. God gives them what they need to survive, but we can't go so far as to say that this is a story of liberation. There is no promised land, but Hagar does find a way to survive her enslavement and her wilderness experiences with God's help. Several scholars have searched for the answer as to why God does not liberate Hagar in the first place. But it's womanist theologian Dolores Williams who offers us a concept, a concept of survival theology, to allow us to begin to understand Hagar's wilderness experience and to give meaning to what seems on the surface to be Hagar's abandonment. Womanist theologians like Dolores Williams, they approach their theology from their intersectional experience of oppression as being black women. And for many womanist theologians like Williams, Hagar has been a cherished biblical character. 
Williams explains here, the African-American community has taken Hagar's story unto itself. Hagar has spoken to generation after generation of black women because her story has been validated as true by suffering black people. She and Ishmael together as family model many black American families in which a lone woman slash mother struggles to hold the family together in spite of the poverty to which ruling class economics consign it. Hagar, like many black women, goes into the wide world to make a living for herself and her child with only God by her side. You see, even though God does not deliver liberation, God provides survival techniques so that the oppressed can work towards liberating themselves. That means for those of us who are white like me, we too can find hope in the story of Hagar, that God hears us and sees us too. But we must not appropriate Hagar's story as our own. As tough of a pill as it is to swallow, we cannot locate ourselves in this story in the role of the oppressed Hagar. Instead, we must recognize that we are Abraham and Sarah, the story's oppressors. This is a reality we must take seriously and allow it to transform us into people of repentance for the sin of racism. This week we had the opportunity to do just that. On Wednesday, we came together with many others from the ELCA and the African Methodist Episcopal Church. We commemorated the Emmanuel Nine, the nine black people killed in 2015 by a white supremacist while in Bible study at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Just two days later then, on Friday, we observed and celebrated Juneteenth, the day attributed to the moment that word finally reached Texas, that slavery had been abolished two and a half years after President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. These events are a reminder that there is work still to be done even now. 155 years after that first Juneteenth moment, and only five years since a white supremacist with an ELCA upbringing took the lives of nine sacred black siblings, we are still so far from a day when black lives will truly matter, especially the lives of black women who suffer from the intersecting marginalization of racism, sexism, and classism. In the murder of the Emanuel Nine, if it teaches us anything, that this murder was done at the hands of a former ELCA Lutheran. And that reveals to us that the sin of racism is much closer to home than many of us would like to admit. There is not a problem just outside of our beloved church, but it's within our church. And it needs to be dealt with and dismantled here first. And if Juneteenth can teach us anything, it's that even with the end of slavery, it did not actually end slavery. Emily Peacock, a professor at Denison University, she says, while slavery may be over, America has made many economic slaves of its people, and a vast majority of the black community 
is shackled by poverty and lack of opportunity. So those who continue to be denied full and complete liberation and continue to experience this slavery by another name, they can find hope in the Hagar narrative because they can trust that God is a provider of all they need to survive and to help liberate themselves. In other words, this survival theology means that the oppressed do not always experience God's liberating power, but often must draw that power from within themselves with God's help. This might seem a little less God-centered than the theology that we're normally used to, but I think it just puts a new spin on the ELCA's tagline, God's work, our hands. And especially in a racist, sexist, classist society where those on the margins have still not experienced full liberation, this survival theology is a valid theology of resistance and hope given our reality. So for our black sisters, may the powerful story of Hagar go with you. Because as a single mother on her own in the wilderness, Hagar may have not experienced liberation, but she was found by a God who saw her struggle, heard the cry of her dying son, and helped her survive. And that says a lot about who God is and who God shows up for. And for us all, may Hagar's story challenge and agitate us to dismantle the same patriarchal, racist, classist structures that held Hagar down and that continue to especially hold our black sisters down today. We need you to survive. And together, we can move forward with the help of God, trusting that the moral arc of the universe ultimately bends towards justice. Amen.
is so good to gather with you, the people of God, on this beautiful summer morning. After today's worship service, there will be a virtual social time. You're welcome to stay for that. Our sharing of the peace will merge right into that. And then at 1045 this morning, we will have our weekly Sunday forum that we call Small Bites. It's one half hour. And today's topic will be vocation, especially now. We'll consider the very central understanding that Lutherans have of our baptismal vocation and think about that, what that means in this time in our lives and in our history. Please note also that next Sunday's forum on Pride Sunday will be led by Jamie Frazier, who spoke earlier in May. He preached for us and he's part of the Lighthouse Church which is an intersection of uh, African-American people and LGBTQ folks. And so please, we hope you'll join us next Sunday at 1045 for that forum. At this point in the service, we would normally pass an offering plate, but we want to thank you for your generosity and the many ways you give, whether you give online, you uh, do that through Venmo, which you can do, or you send checks to the church office. Please also note that on normal Sundays, we would have loose offerings which support ministries dear to our heart, such as the Lighthouse Foundation. And there's information on the screen on how you can support those particular organizations through what we would call loose offerings online. The last announcement is to let you know that many of you seen, have seen in an email that we will be having communion in the HT Lakeview Garden this coming week. Based on the interest so far, we are only going to have services on Wednesday evening at 6.30 and 7.30 p.m. And there are still about 15 open spots. So please feel free to go online uh, to our website uh, or through the email and sign up for those spots. And we'll see many of you in our garden this coming Wednesday.
Graduation from high school is one of the significant milestones that set the stage for the next phase in our earthly journey. Today we wish to honor those who are moving forward in this special time of accomplishment, transition, and change, and to show them that we, their community of faith, stand with them and support them as the body of Christ. This time I'm going to introduce each of the graduates and have them say something so that we can see them on the screen so they'll, they'll be there. We have to do special things with Zoom. So first of all, I'd like to introduce Maggie Payton. Oh, there, here's your picture. Uh, <laughs> Maggie Payton is a graduate of Lincoln Park High School and um, will be going to University of Illinois at Chicago. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> One sentence. Oh, one sentence. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Maggie, and my favorite class in high school was AP US Government and Politics. Wonderful. Our next graduate is Karsten Cisneros, and he's a graduate of Lakeview High School, and he will be joining the workforce now that he's done with high school. So Karsten, can you say a word to us? Good morning, I'm Karsten, and um, I'm just looking forward to working with kids Awesome. And then his brother, Micah, is a graduate of Lincoln Park High School, and he'll be going to IIT. Good morning, I'm Micah. Um, I don't know. I guess my favorite class on um, calculus, I guess. I don't know. Okay, cool. And then our last graduate is Grant Peterson. He's the graduate of Jones College Prep, and he'll be going to Purdue in the fall. Hi, I'm Grant and my class in high school is probably APUS history. Wonderful. Thank you, all of you. So during this time of celebration and transition, let's hear the words from Holy Scripture in the words of um, the book of Jeremiah. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. Dear graduates, as members of this community of faith, we rejoice with you. We want you to know of our pride and excitement as you move from this accomplishment into the next phase of your life. We also want you to know that wherever you go and whatever you do, you are going forward with our prayers for God's continued guidance, power, protection, and strength. So we are giving you these prayer shawls. It's not this one, this one's mine, but um, I'm showing you what they look like, everybody out there. And each of the graduates has a prayer shawl either made in their favorite colors, team colors, or in the um, team colors of the school that they're going to in the fall. 
So I ask you now, um, parents, to put your shawls on them and say the words that I've instructed you to say. Maggie's first. Maggie, receive this prayer shawl with the blessing, love, and prayers of your siblings in Christ from Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. And Micah, receive this prayer shawl with the blessing, love, and prayers of your siblings in Christ from Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. Receive this prayer shawl with, with the blessing, love, and prayers of your siblings in Christ from Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, when you welcomed the children, your invitation included each one of us. Your guiding hand has continually been upon these young men and women. You have sustained them. You have shared in their laughter and wiped away their tears. In times of confusion, you have offered direction. In times of sorrow, you have offered hope. In times of doubt, your Holy Spirit has lifted them up. Grant to each one of these graduates the knowledge of your continued presence as they go forth into the future. Bless them and keep them now and forever. During this time, if we were in church, we would have thunderous applause. Um, but on Zoom, let's do this. Called into unity with one another and the whole creation, let us pray for our needly world. O oh God, Father, hold your church in your loving arms. Protect believers who face persecution for your sake. Strengthen our pastors, deacons, and church councils for their ministry during these troubling times. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy, your mercy is great. O oh God, our provider, here in the north, the summer solstice reminds us of your care for the whole creation. Feed all your creatures, both the animals and the humans, with the sustenance they need for life. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. O oh God, our ruler, inspire our president, our governors, and our legislators to work towards justice for all. Lead us to ways of life that are free from racial and ethnic prejudice. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. O oh God, our physician, bring healing to all who are sick and suffering. Preserve the world from more waves of the coronavirus and guide researchers who are seeking a vaccine. We remember especially those we name in the chat feature or by unmuting and then remuting. Larry Copper Cynthia 
hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. O oh God, our peacemaker, inhabit each household in the land with your powerful peace. Bless the graduates we honor today. We give you thanks for fathers and father figures and remember those who long to be fathers and find this day difficult. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. O oh God, our beginning and our end, we bless you for all our forebearers and family and faith who have lived and died in you, especially Onesimus Nesib, John, Cyril, and Irenaeus. Remind us of their sacrifices and at the, the end, bring us with them in your household of joy. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Receive these prayers, O God, and those too deep for words, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Praise and thanks to you, holy God, for by your word you made all things. You spoke light into darkness, called forth beauty from chaos, and brought life into being. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. By your word, you called your people Israel to tell of your wonderful gifts, freedom from captivity, water on the desert journey, a pathway home from exile, wisdom for life with you. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Through Jesus, your word made flesh, you speak to us and call us to witness. Forgiveness through the cross, life to those entombed by death, the way of your self-giving love. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Send your spirit of truth, O God, rekindle your gifts within us, renew our faith, increase our hope, and deepen our love for the sake of a world in need. Faithful to your word, O God, draw near to all who call on you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory forever. Amen. With trust in God who nourishes and sustains us, let us pray Jesus taught us. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Life is short, and we do not have too much time to gladden the hearts of those who travel the way with us. So be swift to love and make haste to be kind. And the blessing of the triune God who made us and goes before us be upon you and those that you love this day and always. Amen. Amen.
Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I invite you now to return to gallery view, and if some of you would like to unmute yourself, we will do that and we'll share the peace by waving, and by bowing, and by smiling. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also, Peace. Happy graduation. Yes, happy graduation. Uh, congratulations, graduates. Blessings and with you. Happy graduation. Peace be with you. Peace be with you all. Oh, that's <laughs> thank you. He's just holding peace his peace. <laughs> okay. peace be with you. Peace, peace. Peace. Okay. peace. God's peace. Miss you. Miss you. Okay. Be safe. Have a good week.